Turn around. Step toward the wall. On your knees. <laughs> You're in a position of power now. How does it feel? I said, on your knees. It feels good, doesn't it? But I can sense your fear. You're shaking, aren't you? What are you waiting for? The Amparans are getting closer. I have to do this. You can't do it, can you? Eventually, you'll have to do the right thing and... <laughs> <sighs> I... I had to. He betrayed us. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists! So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, the ruthless General Krell orders the executions of Fives and Jesse for the heroics above Anvara! But Captain Rex and their 501st brothers charge Krell with treachery, and finally the evil General's reign of carnage is over! Hey, troops, it's your old buddy Bucho, and I'm a Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars, and next to me in the dropship. He's on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars. He's the Rex to my fives. That's your trusty pal, Robbie. Hello, everyone. And we are going to talk about the 76th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. And it's written like all the other Umbara episodes by Matt McNavitz. And it's directed like the previous episode, Plan of Descent, by Kyle Dunleavy. And it is season four, episode 10, Carnage of Krell. So, Robbie, let's roll out as usual with you letting us know what you remembered about this episode before you rewatched it again this week. Yeah, I, I remembered this episode very well. And in a way, it was almost dreading it a little bit because I, man, this episode hits hard. I mean, it just, it really does hit hard. Seeing our boys against more, more of our boys, ah, just, it sucks. Man. <laughs> But it's good. It's so good. Yeah, that scene where, I mean, we might as well just get straight to it yeah. since you just brought it up. But that scene where Rex realizes that clone troopers with yellow markings are actual clones and not disguised on Barons, that hits super hard, right in the heart, especially coming so soon after the firing squad scene, which shows such strong clone solidarity. I mean, those two scenes, if you put them in separate episodes, they're both really good scenes, but the fact that they put them, that Mac McNavitz wrote them both into the same episode, each scene complements the other brilliantly, and of course that's not all. We learn that their platoon leader was our old buddy Waxer, and then we see Waxer go out, Robbie. Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, this episode is just, it's full of just amazing points I mean, this is just, I mean, I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to go back to, you know, 
to episodes like, you know, ones with the droids and, you know what I mean? <laughs> you just like, <laughs> it's, dude, when you have episodes like this, it's so difficult to really judge them or judge any others, I should say. Because this is just one of those episodes that just, it's just amazing. And I mean, the firing squad, you know, again, we have Dogma sitting there being the guy that's yeah. so willing to follow orders that he's just, it's almost annoying at this point. And it's meant to be because he's hes hes doing what he's told to do. I mean, he's doing what clones are supposed to do. They're supposed to follow orders. And I just, I mean, you know, you know, or at least I did, even the first time watching it, that you, like, you know they're not going to shoot their own guys. You just know it's not going to happen. At least that's the hope, you know. And then, you know, because of how things are going, we don't even have time to deal with it. We have to move on to the next battle. And then we see that, I mean, it's the scene, it's the shot where Rex is holding his head in his hands is where it just really hits. I mean, if nothing else hits you, I mean, that's got to hit you, right? Because he's just like, he's like, what have I done? You know, it's just, it's just an amazing episode. So good. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even get so much of a what have I done thing from Rick's because he was kind of just following orders. I felt like that was him realizing that the nightmare was real, you know, that his worst fears about what was going on with Krell and that the warnings that Fives had been giving him and that he had been kind of pushing back against, that was the moment where maybe, you know, I mean, who can guess what exactly was going through his head? But like you said, that was a legitimately heartbreaking moment. And of course, what was you were shocked, right? You didn't see it coming, or did you see it coming? No, I was shocked when it was revealed that those men in the yellow marked clone armor were clones. Yeah, I didn't see that coming, and so I, I definitely don't blame Rex for not seeing it coming either. It was set up perfectly, you know, by I guess we could look at it from two ways. It was set up perfectly by Krell and also set up perfectly by Matt Mcnevitz as a writer because yeah it hit me out of left field and it hit me right in the heart yeah it just uh i don't know it's one of those things where i'm one of those people that i get swept up in a story and a lot of things that seem super obvious to other people you know when they happen it'd actually be curious to you know that because april's one of those when she watches a movie or a tv show she always sees it coming a mile away right and then by the end of it you know she'll she'll say so did you see that coming i'm like no i didn't sure she's like yeah i knew after the first 20 seconds that the, you know she's just one of those that just sees everything coming but i get so wrapped up in it and i felt like this was one of those that might have been obvious to some people but it wasn't obvious to me and it really really hit hard and i mean gosh if you didn't hate krell before wow <laughs> i mean this is just insane yeah of course we find out in the end with krell's I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you pesky clone speech that <laughs> there's probably a pretty good reason for the fact that, as we've been told in past episodes, that his campaigns, while they're successful, he has massively high numbers of casualties because what we find out is that he was a Goldie all along, Robbie. It called back to Goldie. You remember a good old Goldie mm. back in Jewel of the Joyce? Yeah. He was messing things up on purpose. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, no, no, I know... We, I mean, what am I trying to say, Robbie? He was a Goldie. That's what my note says, and I thought I was very clever for coming up with that <laughs> link back to Jewel of the Droids. But, but yeah, and they've done a really excellent job. I mean, this is an, I might be getting repetitive about this, but of just emphasizing how formidable Krell is throughout, all the way back to the introduction of him, but throughout all of the previous three episodes and this episode's with his massive size, with his extra arms, you know, which gives them extra weapons technically 
and extra dexterity, and he's got that double-bladed lightsaber deal. So when he goes rogue, he's legit terrifying in a way that no other villain has been yet. He seems like someone who would wreck even a brute like Savage Press with ease. You imagine him going up against, you know, Grievous. He would probably cut Grievous down without too much trouble. You can't, you know, it's tough to imagine any other Jedi that we've seen so far. You know, I mean, I'm sure Master Yoda would find a way to deal with him. But because I think back, when I think back to Savage, I think back to how Savage just blew Anakin and Obi-Wan away with kind of ease and... And then I look at Krell, and this guy is a brute. He's massive. He's also super cunning, and he's also super well-trained, and he has extra arms, you know. He's like Savage cranked up to 11. <laughs> so yeah. just terrifying. They have just done an awesome job at creating this guy who is freaking terrifying. Yeah, and it just kind of makes you wonder, though. It's like it, it actually could be a criticism of the episode if you really think about it. Two things. One... Why didn't the Jedi see this coming? Sure. You know, why didn't the Jedi question him as much as these clones are? You know, why didn't they look at his his clone death records and say, man, maybe maybe we need to pull this guy off the front line for a few minutes, you know, and just kind of figure out what's going on with this guy. I mean, it's 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 a strange thing. And then and then on the on the end of it, it's one thing that I kind of was hoping for at the end. We don't really get a almost a catharsis at the end because we we don't get to see how the jedi deal with this whole regiment i mean these guys how they deal with the whole 501st you mean turning against the jedi commander well it's almost like you want some sort of debriefing after this right you know where the jedi are sitting down with some of these clones and going okay what was this about man holy crap this is crazy you know like what was not only all of the mutiny involved right Right. But then you deal with the fact that this guy was intentionally doing it, and maybe the clones even being a little a little angry about it. Like, how could you guys put us in this situation? You know, yeah. how could you willingly put this <laughs> this guy, this unhinged Jedi, who's had the worst death records, you know, of any Jedi? Yeah, right. Under him, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot to answer for here, but for what we get. You know, and that's one of those things where it's the what ifs and the you know, well they maybe maybe they should have done this and it's it's one of the things that I always rally against. You know, you judge it on what you get, not what you didn't get. But I still I mean this is still amazing, but I mean it's kind of an interesting thought exercise, you know, what what would how would the Jedi deal with the situation like this? Right. They don't have the Citadel anymore, which is where they would put these rogue Jedi and you know, I mean I remember back in those episodes we talked about what the Citadel was for and that was what the Citadel was for. You know, these Jedi's these rogue Jedi's were obviously a thing, which was why they built the Citadel in the first place, and here we end up seeing one of them. And I think I asked myself also how did he get this far, you know, with his hardcore casualty records and the reason it didn't bug me so much well, it's a couple of reasons. One is that, especially in the early seasons of the show, they really emphasized how stretched the Republic was and how stretched the Jedis were. Right. So they need all hands on deck at all times. And the fact that we know that Krell was, you know, a very decorated and very successful commander, that he was getting results, those two factors combined to really sell me on the idea that, you know, Krell could have skated this far without having been picked up before. And also, maybe there were other clone troopers that were kind of pulling him up on things in the past, but maybe they got cut down before they could report it or before they could pull off what the 501st did. And one of the things that the 501st does, or, you know, that Rex especially, we've talked about this before, how much Rex is like Anakin, how Rex is kind of a maverick of a clone, and Fives takes that even to the 
next level, right? For sure. I mean, I guess if we're going to talk about the most Maverick clone, that was Cut, because he, he cut and run. I never thought about this before, but Cut Lecroyan cut and ran, and Fives is questioning the program, just like Cut did. So we know that there's these clones that are questioning it, and I th- just have always had this feeling that Anakin's troops in particular, because each kind of squad of clone troops, or at least each commander, in some ways, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, can we say this about Commander Wolf as well? He is he that much like Plo Koon? I don't know, but you know, you know what I'm saying, right? Rex, yeah, exactly, is a lot like Anakin, and Fives is even more like Anakin, and so maybe the fact that this was Anakin's squad, that's why it ended up blowing up in Krell's face eventually, because Anakin has cultivated this culture of not necessarily you know sticking hardcore to the rules at all times and and i mean dogma isn't he one of the new guys as well so he hasn't served under anakin that much it's dogma and tup right and speaking of carla queen how did you like tup's ponytail he's got that carla queen ponytail i didn't actually even notice that i wondered if that was a specific reference back to but i mean i just was thinking of carla queen a lot during these episodes you know because he was he has been so far I, i mean i guess him and Slick, you know, the two rebels, although Slick was actively trying to hurt his own brothers, whereas Cut kind of ran. And so the what Fives was doing really made me think about Cut a lot. But yeah, Tup with that ponytail reminded me of Cut Queen a lot. Yeah, and it's what I like about, especially, I mean, this whole arc, it brings into a lot of questions. Like, I still think that even with Krell's decorated history, you know, and his different campaigns and all that kind of stuff, you would still think that that even, you know, Master Yoda would have maybe been looking at that and going, you know, hey, uh, something's a little... I don't know. I, I mean, I get what you're saying, that, that it's easy explained away, but it's also, you know, Yoda has shown that he's he's taken time to, you know, especially with Obi-Wan and Anakin, to chat with them and just kind of figure out sometimes where their heads are. Sure. Yeah, and I feel like this was a, a little misstep on their part. But then it also brings into question, I mean, I don't know how much you were thinking about this when you were watching this. I mean, especially like the shots of, you know, Rex basically explaining, you know, hey, I'm I'm basically going to do something that's super treasonous. I'm going to go at, you know what I mean? Right. And then all the guys step up and then you see them kind of marching toward. It kind of brings into question or into, into mind some of the Order 66 shots. And it kind of makes right. you think, you know, um, especially when they're all surrounding him and they're shooting at him and all this stuff. I mean, is that something that you were thinking about when you were watching this or, or was it just me? Oh, I didn't think of that. I didn't. I mean, I did think back to the Geonosis arc in that episode where one of the clones in Brain Invaders, I think it is, says, if there's one thing we clones know, it's how to kill Jedis. And, yeah. you know, in this one, it turns out that we've got these clones that are going to have to try and kill this Jedi who's gone rogue. Or he's maybe even gone to the dark side because right at the end he he literally says he wants to go and join Dooku, right? He wants to go and yeah. become Dooku's apprentice, which was also interesting. But no, I wasn't thinking about Order sixty six so much when I was watching this. I guess I was so caught up in everything else that, that that didn't occur to me. And it's one of those things to me. It's like you know because Order sixty six is always kind of especially now after watching this up to this point. You know you're sitting there and you're going, if these guys are so loyal to the Jedi, how does Order sixty six I mean, how does it work? I mean, how do these guys just suddenly turn on their on their Jedi generals, you know? And it's just, uh, to me, this is one of those where it, it's, I feel like they're planting seeds here, right. you know, and explaining how Order 66 does take place. And maybe, maybe this is one of those episodes, one of these, these arcs that kind of explain how, you know, because I mean, you, 
to a certain extent, I would think that this story would get around. Sure. You know? And some of the other clones might be like, you know, talking about it in the back, you know, man, did you hear about yeah. this Krell thing? Did you hear how this went down? Oh my gosh. I don't know. It, it brings up a lot of, at least for me, it brings up a lot of questions uh, to the overarch- overarching idea of, and, and maybe it's because I love the Clone Wars so much that I accept it as part of canon without question. So I can't divorce this from the movies when I'm watching them now. You know, it's it's become integral to m- my understanding of Star Wars. And so it's one of those things I, I just really, really like about it is that it, it, it almost answers some questions in a way and maybe raises some others. Well, one of those questions that was raised by this episode for me, Robbie, I mean, I didn't wonder about some of the things that you did wonder about. You know, I, I went along for the ride, I think, a bit more than you did. But one of the things that did kind of take me aback was that it takes Corral a shockingly long time to realize that he should use one of his four blades to chop off the single tentacle that has him by the leg in that uh, scene where the Vixus lifts him up, which is, I guess it's supposed to be a comedic kind of moment, and it kind of is, it kind of breaks the tension just a little bit, but not really, because even when he's being swung around by this Vixus tentacle, he's still killing clone troopers. Yep. That's how terrifyingly formidable this guy is. But it was just one of those things where I thought, why has it taken this guy who is, you know, super competent and super formidable and has four blades, but just seemed to take a long, long time for him to realize he should cut that tentacle leg off. I mean, yeah. did that hit you the same way? Not exactly, but I mean, I totally get it. And especially since, in a way, you know, some of these horrors that are on uh, Umbara, you know, it's almost cathartic to see it used in a way that's helping our heroes, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. So maybe that's part of it you know maybe they were just you know they were kind of milking that a little bit but well, I, mean, I think it's, it's just still also an also uh, sorry i'm interrupting you here robbie uh you keep going no 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 no. go you ahead keep going, man. no i'm done i was just gonna say it's a credit to matt mcnovich that he probably came up with the idea of how krell was going to get taken out and wove that back through the other four episodes to really for sure establish this world i mean we've talked about in these previous Umbara episodes about how it's i mean i can't think of another episode with the environment was as deadly as this one in terms of creatures with the banshees and the vixus everywhere. The first example I thought of when I tried to remember another environment that was similarly, I guess, creature riddled, I mean, you know, in terms of threats, and was that swamp snake that attacks Obi-Wan when he and Quinlan Voss were heading out to Mama Hutt's house. Right. And we did see some jungle rancors in the Bounty Hunters episode on Felucia, although thankfully they never tried to mix it up with our heroes, but this is the harshest environment in so many ways so far that we've seen. And so when it came time to the end, I mean, like I'm getting repetitive, Krell is so formidable that I can't even imagine most of the Jedi being able to handle him. So when the clones have to handle him, you know, I'm just thinking, there's no way that this can go well. And I loved that this element that Matt and McNivitz had been weaving through the whole arc so far came back at the end and was a big part of the reason that they were able to get him. Yeah, I, I mean, it's... It really is pretty genius when you when you stop and break it down. I mean, it's you're almost ex- just accepting it as it as it's playing out. But yeah, when you really stop and think about it, it is genius. You know, because they know exactly how formidable he is, and for them to be able to use that environment to their advantage is it's really really cool to see. It sure is, Robbie. And this brings us to my favorite shot of the episode. But as usual, I'm gonna ask what yours is first, so I don't steal it. What was your favorite shot? 
of Carnage of Krell. Well, I hope I'm not stealing yours, but mine is definitely more, I don't know, I guess it's a sad thing, but it really kind of shook me a little bit when I noticed that Waxer had Numa on his helmet. I didn't notice that. What? Oh my gosh. It just, man, it's just twisting the knife. Oh man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's even something that they, that they put on the, uh, the breakdown of the episode on uh, StarWars.com, and it just oh, I gotta start watching those things because I missed that. Uh, I missed that detail. Oh my gosh, it was one of those things where it's just like when you when you realize it, you're just like oh god, waxer no. But yeah, just the, those little details, man. It's what makes this show really. I mean, it it's like icing on the cake, you know. It's just good stuff. Well, my shot of the episode is going to sort of pale in comparison next to that, Robbie, because that is a that is an awesome detail, and shame on me for not seeing it, but the shot I selected was a shot near the end when Rex sees Krell through his binoculars in the distance, through some of that kind of foreboding vegetation, and Krell is laying waste to clones galore. I mean, that's just so... It's, he takes out so many of them, Robbie. It's so brutal. Yeah. There's so much loss in this episode. And then he turns to see Rex, and starts to move towards him and that moment the horror was at its height and so I just thought that was a super effective shot because it's like that as Rex is looking at Krell in the distance there you know through the vegetation I'm actually thinking just turn around and run Rex just turn around and run (laughs) as far away from this guy as possible you know and that's not what Rex is going to do of course that's Rex so he's not going to run but that moment was super effective for me and of course Rex is really shook by the end of this episode he's asking Fives basically i don't have the quote here but he's basically doing the old war whoa 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 what is it good for the fives i mean rex is really shook by this whole campaign and you know it's hard to watch you know rex have like this but on the other hand we love it when our characters grow and develop and learn new things even if they are harsh things and so it's going to be even more interesting to see what comes up for rex in the future but for now we're going to bring this one in for a landing robbie we need to sum up and give our rating so after your third ever watch of carnage of krell How did you like it, and where does Carnage of Krell sit on that four-star Robbie scale? Well, even with the minor criticisms that I have, I mean, it's it's no question. This one's a four out of four. This is one of my favorite single episodes of the entire series. I just love it. It's so good. And I also want to mention, this is... Actually, you know, maybe we should... Now, I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring it up now. I'm going to bring it up now. Bring it up now, Robbie. When Waxer is giving his little death speech, did you listen to the music and did it remind you of Predator at all? No. I don't know if it's just because of the the way that the music kind of goes, but for some reason it, it reminded me of when Bill Duke is reminiscing about Jesse Ventura, you know, and he's kind of, you know, he's kind of looking up and he's doing... Okay. There's that song that's playing. And it's also the song that plays at the end, of course. It's, it's sort of the... What is it? A trumpet playing? But like when Arnold is on the on the helicopter in the at the end and there right. the music is playing there it's the same sort of to me it's, it it just reminded me of that um and I don't know if it was intentional but I loved it and I don't see it anywhere on starwars.com uh, you know mentioning it so I don't even know if it was intentional or if, if it was just something that was you know in my head when I was watching it but anyway I just love it man this this episode is uh it's so good yeah, we're going to have to get Kevin Kiner on the show, Robbie. So we've got Kevin Kiner. We've got, of course, Dave himself uh, as our future guests on the show. And, um, you know, our future targets for guests on the show, I should say. I shouldn't say future guests on the show because that makes it sound like they're, 
they're like they're coming booked. on and they're not booked yet but one day surely they're gonna be on the show and we'll ask Kevin Connor about that moment and I can tell him that I gave this episode a 10 out of 10 and it's the first 10 out of 10 I've given any episode so far and it's my favorite episode of the Clone Wars so far just bumping Night Sisters down into second place awesome and even with that moment that I was talking about where Krell takes a kind of cartoonishly long time to chop off the tentacle I mean I don't care that's a 10 out of 10 it's a brilliant brilliant episode a brilliant end to an arc and I mean lived up to the hype like I can't remember if I mentioned this on a previous episode, but aside from the Mortis arc, the Umbara arc was, I guess, the second most hyped arc to me before I ever started watching this show. You know, the two arcs that I had heard of before I started watching were the Mortis arc and the Umbara arc. And so, you know, coming into this, I was wondering if it would hold up. And it has held up. But I mean, I've given the four episodes 9, 9, 9, and 10. That's a pretty good run, Robbie. And they came out of some episodes that we really enjoyed that were... You know, obviously not on arc level, but I think I'd given the previous three episodes out out of ten or, you know, sevens at least as well. So this part of the show, early in season four, is on a really good run. And hopefully what we come into next, which is going to be season four, episode 11, Kidnapped, is going to carry on that trend. But until then, Robbie, if the troops out there need to... This is very... This is the worst... <laughs> this is my worst closing to an episode, Robbie, for the best episode, but... <laughs> That's mission accomplished for Season 4, Episode 10, Carnage of Krell. So, Robbie, let the troops out there know if they want to shout at me for messing up this ending, how can they reach us? Of course. We are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And Season 4, Episode 11, Kidnapped, will be the 77th episode of the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. And until then, this is your old buddy Bucho alongside your trusty pal Robbie. And we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. The force will be with you. Always.